0: Hello and welcome to the Gridiron Show. Coming for the final time from Radio Row, it's Friday evening. We have had one barnstormer of a week. So many great guests. Today, in particular, was just an absolute stonker. Everyone from when we had Mickey James from WWE on, where we had Christian Wade talking to us earlier about his move to the NFL, Eric Decker, who we're going to have in this show. Breaking down the game this weekend, talking about his time at the Patriots and his time at Super Bowl Forty Eight. Evander Holyfield, Deontay Wilder, Morton Anderson. We had to Kirkwood for a solid half an hour. Really broke down everything going on in NFL UK at the moment, which we'll put out as a special pod next week. A bit of a State of the Union type thing. Uh, and then we rounded the day off with Troy Vincent, who is a high-level executive now, having been a former cornerback of a number of teams, having been... Uh, the head of the NFLPA is now the head of football operations, the vice president of football operations. He joined us and we went through some of the biggest talking points of football right now, including will they be talking about reviewable calls? Will they be talking about overtime rules? The relationship with the PA, the next CBA, could we see a lockout? What's the future for London from an American perspective? So we're going to bring you in this show, Troy Vincent, Eric Decker and Morton Anderson. Joining me here on Radio Row, Matthew Sherry. Hey guys. Ollie Hunter. Hello. And over there is Pat Mahomes. Hey, Pat Mahomes. He's, Pat. Just, he, he's waving. Pat! <laughs>
1: uh, Pat! <laughs> One more. I, I don't think he's seen us. <laughs> Pat! <laughs> uh,
0: Ollie, are you getting involved or are you just going to sit there with the headphones on? Pat!
2: <laughs> I might take them off
0: if Ollie keeps yelling into the <laughs> microphone <line. laughs> Sorry, 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 sorry. sorry. <laughs> That's very, very. What are very the chances funny.
3: of putting mine and Ollie Wilson's mock play-by-play of the AFC Championship <laughs> game on this show? <laughs>
0: ah, absolutely, <laughs> sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> yeah, this is the
2: new dream team in uh, NFL broadcast. You thought Tony uh, Romo
3: was good, guys? I played color commentator, and it was special. You can't say that. You can. Okay, yeah, you can.
0: Right. What are we talking about before we get to the guests? <laughs> I think we should just. Do you want to break down the game? I don't want to end? break down the game. You're so desperate. I want to, to do a game. Pod, I, want do pod. A game pod. I want to do a
3: game preview pod on Sunday. For I've Sunday. got.
0: I've got to do a lot. Lo- right, let's go- break down the game. I've got do an actual radio show for talks. Okay, let's on Saturday break down the game. That but- is taking some priority. Oh. I'm sorry, but oh, sorry, what was that? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I've got
2: to do a radio show. I'm so busy interviewing all the celebrities. Oh.
0: <laughs> What's just happened? <laughs> Love this, Ollie Wilson guy. <laughs> what, what? What has literally just happened?
3: Let's break down the
0: game.
3: Because, you know, you forget in amongst all this madness that it is actually sended around a game. Like, I always get to Friday. I'm a little bit... I think mainly when the period's in, I'm just... I want the game. Get get me the game. I want to get to the game.
0: So, my feeling is, and we've been talking about this all week, you heard from Ross Tucker earlier this week talking about it, everyone talks about how Bill Belichick takes away your two biggest weapons. Now... You two because weapons when you're on a certain. We're getting Bud Lights delivered. This is the. Oh, we'll have the latest lot with Redstone later, which is the actual sponsor of the podcast. But right now, <laughs> we're sponsored by Bud Light because we had four of them brought to the table. I literally. By sla- Paolo Bandini. I
3: literally slammed Bud Light on the last prod.
0: <laughs> Bud Light, even. Not Doesn't Bud Light. <laughs> well, they obviously liked what they heard. <laughs> uh, <laughs> How did they hear it? Honestly. What the, they, uh, Why are you being like this? I don't know. Is there still
3: Chick-fil-A over there?
0: It's astonishing. That's got to be quite a few hours old at this point. was also brought to you by Chick-fil-A. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Have you
1: taken out the gherkin? Oh, yeah.
3: you, oh my God. I'm sorry, the gherkin makes... The gherkin the
0: is what makes yeah. it Chick-fil-A.
3: You are an absolute moron, Paolo.
1: Gherkin and chicken is maybe the best combination of all time.
2: And no one knows chicken like Chick-fil-A. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's coming out. <laughs> it's absolutely not. <laughs> that, right. That, that was that was fantastic work. I
4: mean, great chicken, but I'm not certain that they're a
2: company
0: that you want to support. No. Well, we're not going to get political here, because if they wanted to sponsor us, I would take it in a heartbeat. And <laughs> they
3: the are coming to the UK next year. <laughs> yeah, Birmingham, apparently. Um, Birmingham. <laughs> <laughs> All right, mate, there's a world outside of London. I know in London. Oh, yeah, you're a Brighton boy now, aren't you? <laughs>
0: Uh, Right. (laughs) Everyone talks about how Bill Bill Belichick takes away your two biggest weapons. And here's the thing. When you hear the two biggest weapons, what you think to yourself is offense. What you think to yourself is receivers and tight ends and running backs. But the two biggest weapons, uh, and neither of which are Sherry. Sorry, Paolo.
3: That's hurtful. Uh,
0: Aaron Donald and Ndomikinsu. Those are the two big weapons I'm talking about. I know, but when you have to double Aaron Donald, Ndomikinsu becomes an even bigger weapon. An act, you know, Stop an saying weapon. weapon. Yeah. I thought
2: this was like a size <laughs> joke. I was waiting for like, the pun
0: of they are the biggest weapon.
3: That's I mean, the yeah. Dominican Sioux is undoubtedly a weapon, isn't he? So <laughs>
0: undoubtedly <laughs> not. Um, so they slide the line. They deal with Aaron Donald. They use James Devlin. They use Sony Michelle. They get those doubles in using the running backs on a Dominican two, And you say to uh, was it, Samson Ebukam, you say to Dante Fowler, you say, come and beat us one on one to get to Tom Brady. You give him time in the pocket. He has all the time in the world to throw. Patriots blow out because they'll be good on offense.
3: The only thing I would say is people. I've broken the game down People are <laughs> underselling Aaron Donald. Um, I agree the Patriots have done a great job against JJ Watt in the past. I'm pretty sure they handled Donald fine in their last game against the Rams, which was the final season of Jeff Fisher. But he is a special guy. I mean, it's easy to say double team and. This is a guy who beats double teams more than any player in the NFL, certainly that I've ever seen. So it isn't that simple. Um, Also, the double teaming thing, they'll do a lot more than that. They'll run away from him on players. Mm -hmm. It'll be a very diverse plan to, to impact Aaron Donald. It won't just be a double team. Do I think they can do it? Yes, because I think that they can attack the edges of the of the Rams' defence in the running game. And I think they can attack the edges and the cornerbacks, particularly Marcus Peters' side. He doesn't want to tackle. Make him tackle. Attack that edge.
0: Are the, are the edges potentially a concern for the Patriots as well, though? If you can get, if you can get Gurley outside, if you can get him on screens, yeah. if you can get the tackles, to, like, particularly on that left-hand side of the line, as they like to do to, to move up, get to the second level... The one thing the Patriots' defence isn't is particularly quick. That is somewhere where the Rams could have some success. Yeah,
3: it is. And the last time we watched a game at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium, Adrian Claiborne, who is now a Patriot, had six sacks. I wouldn't be surprised if he's inactive for this game. He's been inactive a little bit towards the end of the year, but he came back against the Chiefs, and there was the big um, the reverse pass back across to Damian Williams, across the field, that reverse play where Williams yep. breaks out into the flat. Claiborne was the guy who was meant to chip him there, and that's why Belichick was livid. Um, he does that a lot. He's really undisciplined on the edge, and I could see a scenario where he's inactive, and I think that brings in Dietrich Wise, who maybe isn't quite as good a pass rusher, but certainly is a lot more reliable, and I think that, that'll be the reason why, because that is a big key to the game for New England. Do you think we'll see a different player
1: from the linebacking core maybe Dante Hightower instead of Kyle v- like Kyle Van Noy did with the Chiefs I think that was a that was a game plan that was a plan against the Chiefs yeah, I mean, those and Belichick g- will use someone else.
3: No, those, uh, yeah I mean those guys are interchangeable so I mean he will he'll use Hightower well he did use Hightower in different spots in that Chiefs game as well. I think that they will have a similar plan with the stunts um, as they had against the Chiefs because the Rams O-line is made up very similarly their two tackles are actually better than Havenstein is probably as good as Schwartz if not better this mm-hmm. season and Whitworth is a massive upgrade on Fisher that, that... but the interior of the, of the offensive line is, is very
0: similar Say, Don't let Jeff Schwartz know you feel that way. <laughs> He's been around radio all week. He's a very imposing man, and he doesn't like well, it I mean, when you say mean things about his brother. I mean, no, it's
3: not mean. They're the best two right tackles in football this season. I think it's a it's a, cost, a toss of a coin. But oh, it's a very similar scenario where the interior is, is the obvious weakness of the line. And I see the Patriots looking to do the same thing. The only thing I would say that worries me from a Patriots perspective is it's not guaranteed to work because... The Rams know that. They've had two weeks to scheme it. And my big worry in this game is exactly what I said on the pod after the Super Bowl last year. I'm a firm believer now that the two weeks is a massive advantage to any team going against Bill Belichick. I think that's the only explanation for why these Super Bowls are close. I think that the extra week gives the other team a chance to catch up. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Rams take advantage of that.
1: Well, why don't the Patriots
0: then... They've got the same amount of time off. But
3: this, yeah, but there's, there's, yeah. A, there's, there's a point where it's too much <laughs> yeah, time.
0: There is, there, there is actually a, a ceiling, as it were. And, and you, I, I do think that you could either over-prepare, which can sometimes mean that you go so hard on a specific game plan that actually, well, there's many ways it can happen. You've become too convoluted by trying to plan for too many things and therefore not being focused enough in what your game plan is, or you become too focused on your game plan and leave yourself in a situation where mm. you've got no plan B. it's about finding a balance and the thing is the Patriots are amazing at finding that balance in one week other teams being given two weeks it was the best thing he said all of last year and I've repeated it at least four times in the last year yeah and
3: I believe it another thing Josh McDaniels (laughs) do you believe (laughs) it I've repeated it (laughs) oh no
2: it's it's good that he believes (laughs) his own words to be honest more than anything else I'm glad he's got conviction in your thoughts Josh
0: McDaniels I will be saying it I'm telling you now I'll be saying it on radio this weekend that the two weeks is a benefit to other coaches rather than it is to to Bill Belichick and I'll also be repeating the uh, the line of Brian Billick where Billick. he told us that uh, the, about the half-time being hard on the players but so much better for Brilliant the coaches because you have so much more time to adjust. What kind of
1: offense are we going to see from the Patriots? We don't know each time round what's going to happen. They will use Michelle a lot in the run game and then White in the passing game. Are, is, are we going to see Rob Gron- Gronkowski have a massive blowout game? I, what... What are you expecting from a, a, Joshua Daniels? A
3: combination of all those things, really. I, I think the Patriots will think that if they can stop the interior of the D-line, they can do what they want against this defence. The linebackers are too small. They, I think the Rams have play, have had 14 players against teams with two backs on the field in the whole season. They're going to have more than that in this game with a, with a full-back. They're an extremely small team built to play in the modern NFL, but the problem is... I heard Ollie when we were doing our mock commentary talk about the Patriots, bringing back the high formation, utilising the fullback more than any other team. If the Patriots get past the first level of the Rams' defence, they're going to break off some explosive running players. I think they will also get stuffed on some players. I think the running game will be boom or bust, but I think there will be enough boom players in the running game, which is something the Patriots haven't had.
0: In any of these recent mm. Super Bowls, and that's the difference with this team. Can I just tell you that uh, Talksport have just tweeted the video that myself and Grimbler did earlier today down in the fan experience, and I'd completely forgotten about this guy. But there was a guy who was uh, who was in the queue waiting for the to do the kickoffs with his son, and he was dressed in full Julian Edelman. He was a full kit thingy, full Julian Edelman with pads, with a fake beard on that he trimmed himself and. and got to the right length with the head. Like, it was honestly like he was doing Julian Edelman cosplay. And we were chatting beforehand, and he was this really kind of gregarious, chatty, really nice bloke. And then the moment that we started interviewing him, he did, like, a wrestling-style promo, went into character as Julian Edelman, and gave all the most... Bland Pat-style answers to the questions. It was legitimately superb. <laughs> it right, was. Edelman. He was one of the best was people. Was it I mean, it might well have been.
2: But <laughs> well, he's been roaming around Atlanta this week, willy-nilly kind of thing. He's been making friends and just travelling around the city on his own. And I don't know how much Belichick knows about that sort of thing. But it could have been just Edelman just coming down for a laugh into the fan park, confusing people. I quite like that.
0: I've got two more. Pieces. It could have been Julian Edelman wearing a fake beard over his actual beard. <laughs> yeah, then I wouldn't have known.
3: You would never guess. You'd never guess. We've got two more periods based nuggets for the game, and then we'll we'll do some predictions. Whoa,
0: whoa, whoa! You've talked a lot in this
3: last. Plus, also, who to wants, say. I'm the only one who wants to do this. So. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't, in any
1: way, looked at the Rams' offense in any way, and that is such a, a confusing thing at the moment because, you and I spoke earlier in the week, Matt, that so Todd Gurley. Did, can you turn that off? That Todd yeah. Gurley, <laughs> didn't look fit. But that could be to their advantage because he will be fresh. But you said that he actually looked rusty.
3: Yeah, I I think it was rust more than anything. And I I don't think two weeks are going to have helped that. I mean, you know, he was dropping simple passes. That isn't bad health. That's rust for me. And and, and really what they determined was that C.J. Anderson gave them the best chance to win that game because of that. But it doesn't help. Todd Gurley's chances of looking any fresher this week, I don't think. The one worry I have for the Patriots against this offence is they have in the past struggled against this zone-blocking, QBR, Shanahan-style system. And I I do wonder, I was desperate for us to get Kyle Shanahan today because Belichick has a really strong relationship with both Shanahans. And I wonder how many conversations he'll have had with him in the last week or so just Mm. to try and get a bit more of a beat on that scheme. Because that's what this scheme is. Everybody thought... McVeigh would come in and run a West Coast offense, but it doesn't fit what Jared Goff wants to do. So, yeah, they have had problems with it in the past, and, and I'll be interested to see early in the game, can they stop it? We saw them stop it in the second half against the Falcons, but they did a bad job in the first half. So I think that's going to be an interesting Jared matchup. Goff's got a great arm. He's got a great arm, He's
1: and he does have touch, and we saw it with some of the touchdowns that Willie and I witnessed live against Kansas City. Touchdowns to Gerald Everett... I think he's got anticipation, and I think he's a good small window thrower. I actually think he's a good so, quarterback. So we've got the, the RPO option, run-play option, where you don't necessarily need that. Could we see, early on, a bit of Goff standing in the pocket and launching it,
3: attacking Gilmore and, McCour- and the McCourty twins? Yeah, I mean, that would be what what you would... If they're going to break tendencies in the way they are having the game, then that would be what they do.
0: But the Patriots have a great secondary, despite what... Some uh, analysts have said. How this concerned week, are you? <laughs> how concerned are you about deep crossing routes? Because that's been the one time where the Patriots this season you get you go deep, you cross, and the McCourty twins, for as good as they are, uh, it, are slow. <laughs> I mean, him. Devin McCourty ran the second
3: fastest of any player in the NFL this season, so to say he's slow is ridiculous. But well, that's how it's looked when you've seen those no, I mean, touchdown plays. Well, the, the touchdown plays happen because you know crossing routes are man beaters and the Patriots play a lot more man coverage than most teams. So of course it's something I'd be concerned about. I mean, for me against against this McVeigh team, you, you need to you need to have a mix of coverages, both I mean you need to play man and zone on the same play. You need to you need to do all of those things and I think they will. But you know, Josh McDaniel said something interesting right at the start of this process two weeks ago when asked about the the balance between over preparing players and, and getting them fast for the game and he said yeah, it's very easy to fall into the trap of trying to put too much in. I think Matt Patricia did that in the last two Super Bowls. I think he's, he's a big, he's the mad scientist guy. I think they put too much in because those players, I mean, they're not fast but they played slow in terms of reacting. Yeah, It's been very different under Flores under the last six, seven weeks and I think it'll be different again this week. The period, it's, it's it's simplified and they're playing a lot faster and you know that helps make up for the lack of speed, and I, th- I think we'll see it this week. It's the efficiency
2: Sunday. of the Patriots' offense that's the scariest thing. I mean, it's it's a very simple: if you you've got four downs, if you get three yards every single down, you'll get first a fresh set of downs every single time, and you'll drive down the field. And the Patriots have that ability to go deep and have a big play, but they're so methodical.
0: He is, Tom Brady is someone who doesn't see a five or six yard pass play as a negative? Yeah. So many quarterbacks and so many offenses and so many analysts. See a five-six yard You've pass. Got to average that's...
2: twelve yards a pass at least as a quarterback in the NFL. Uh, these uh, days. Like,
0: no. If you run five or six yards, you're pleased with that. It's still one down. It's still one play. You've gained the yards. That's the main thing.
2: Yeah, and, uh, and and we've seen in the opening drives in, in both the playoff games that played against the Chargers and the Patriots, and the majority of those games, to be honest, I mean Kansas City weren't really in that game until the fourth quarter. and The Patriots looked in control of that one as they did look for a lot of the time against... It was against the most Chelsea. dominant
0: game I've ever seen go to overtime.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I, think, I think genuinely New England have been comfortably the best team in the playoffs. I mean, I, I think the Rams and the Saints had both run out of steam by, steam by the NFC Championship game. I think the first thing I'm going to look for on the Rams' defence is who Talib's covering. Because, I mean, there's a lot of things they could do with him. They could put him on Gronk, which I, I think with Gronk, where he is now in his career, would probably take him out of the game. They could put him on Edelman, which I actually think is a tough matchup for Tlaib, and I'm not sure I would go down that route, but I've got a feeling that they will. So it's going to be fascinating. And also, I mean, then you're putting Roby Coleman outside, and I would think that Dorset and Hogan would fancy that matchup. So that'll be the first one. I, I think it'll be the first one the Patriots are looking for. That'll be the. Match matchup, the keys, their plan for the rest of the game, and I think they'll have a plan for whichever way the, the Rams decide to go.
2: And however much you wax lyrical about Jared Goff, there have been a lot of moments in the back end of this season yeah. that started in that uh primetime game against Chicago. Yes, it was an icy game and horribly cold, and that makes the ball a little heavier and tougher to throw, but since then, Goff compared to what he was before that hasn't looked quite that same guy, and I think. You know, there are, you can talk about the X's and O's and who's, who the matchups are. At the end of the day, there's everything about the Super Bowl as well for yeah. a young team and a young quarterback who is on the cusp of making history if he wins the Super Bowl, being the first person in the first three years yeah. of a uh, number one draft pick to win a Super and, Bowl. And, uh, That's gonna that will be in his mind. They all know there's that on him and Belichick will know that. And so if they can slow down that run game early on and make Goff beat them. I think the Patriots have kind of got this one because I've, the Rams will miss Cooper Cup as that really fast outlet option on a short pass uh, and, and Cooks and, and Robert Woods are fantastic but they're not at that same level of efficiency as an offense, I don't think.
3: You're absolutely right and it can work both ways. We saw the Falcons and the Eagles completely comfortable when the big moment came and I saw the Carolina Panthers completely and utterly unprepared, crumble. unprepared and crumble under that pressure. So... I, I think the Patriots no, crumble, not grimble.
4: <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's literally just lifted up. <laughs>
0: right, I think uh, the Patriots win a close game. I think the Patriots win by more than a score. I think it's
1: going to be thirty-one twenty-eight to the Patriots.
2: part um, says Rams. Rams by a close score, three points.
0: Yay! At least somebody had the balls. Uh, We go right back to the first person we spoke to this week, Ross Tucker, who told us, if I pick the Rams and I'm wrong, I look stupid. If I pick the Patriots and I'm wrong, nobody's going, you idiot. So that's that's the way I'm going with it. Right, guys, brilliant stuff. We've got three fantastic interviews coming up for you. One of the greatest human beings of all time, Morton Anderson, we'll get him from in a little while which we do actually get into the kicking in terms of uh, what it's like to kick in the dome versus uh, the indoor versus outdoor and to kick in the big game uh we're also going to hear from uh, troy Vincent coming up shortly top level nfl exec lots that we get into with him we should probably break it down afterwards but we need to go get some tacos so first let's hear from eric decker eric is one of the most popular men i've, I've ever met in my life yeah, it's i i was saying i was saying to the uh uh to the pr working with you today megan eric that when i briefly had to do her job yesterday to get you over to sky i do not envy what these people have to do trying to wrangle because everyone wants to talk to you every day
5: well everybody's trying to get you on the show because i mean that's their job they're runners (laughs) hey we need you we need you to fill the slot
0: oh no but it's not that it's all the former players all the journalists everyone's trying to hunt you down you've been very popular but you're, you're here with the nfl player engagement program what how did you get involved in that what was the kind of decision to do it and, and are you thinking media career now
5: yeah you know so it started with a broadcast boot camp i was in new york probably 2014-15 when i when i did it in uh, new jersey and um now that i'm retired trying to find that second career um they reached out for this broadcast bowl to come to radio row kind of you know dabble in what the media world looks like uh, kind of get my feet wet and network a little bit and Ultimately, this is kind of the easy transition to to get you know into the football world. Still talk about football, be around the guys, uh, you know. But yet, I'm looking too in the entertainment side. I'd like to be able to dabble I'm, I'm in both worlds.
0: You're here with Mike Adams as well, who's on that same Denver team with you. Went to Super Bowl 48, so already in with your teammates. And is there that thing of like when you're interacting with other players, former players, when you're doing this kind of stuff that it just do you just ease back into that kind of locker room chat and just
5: yeah it's nice you know because you don't get it outside football and for me <coughs> being away for a year um it, it's like coming back it's, it's a brotherhood that that you never never leave you know so to talk football to, to be around each other and, and reminisce in the good times is, is what it's all about so it has been nice catching up with former teammates and players i've, I've played against
3: i'd like to talk a bit of football with you eric um the Patriots are a team that you have recent experience with, both as a, as a brief member of the team, but also I want to ask particularly about those games when you had the Broncos, that Peyton Manning passing attack. They really, when it came, comes to these big games, make your life uncomfortable as a receiver at the line of scrimmage, grappling with you all the time. How much of a challenge is that going to be for the Rams this weekend?
5: It will, you know, and, and that's what New England does. They, they don't let you beat them over the top, but at the line of scrimmage they're going to beat you up and let their front four front seven get to the quarterback because that's how they're going to disrupt uh, that offense. And, and, and LA's a very explosive offense. So You've you got to get Goff off his spot, get him uncomfortable, stop in the run game. But ultimately Bill Belichick's one of the best game planners you know, in our game. So he's going to find a way to stop these guys. And it's going to be a chess match right at first, figuring out what each team's doing. But um, ultimately New England has so much experience and they're so good at that game planning. I, I remember the game in Foxborough
3: where uh, you guys went up to- I think 21-0 very, very early in the game. It was, there was a fumble, you know, a few crazy plays. And they came back and won that game. I mean, it feels like the Patriots, more than any other team, do that. You were in the building for that brief time. Can
5: you put your finger on, on why that is? There's, there's no quit. There's no, you know, when they're basking at the, against the wall, there's no, they don't blink. You know, they don't, they don't, they don't stress out. And, and that's why they're so great. That's why they have so many fourth-quarter game-winning drives. It's because they know it's a 60-minute football game. You may, like Atlanta, get up, like we did, up quick three, four touchdowns. Okay, well, you got, you got to play the second half. And, and they chip away and they get a couple breaks and they get the ball in their hands with two, three minutes left. They're going to win the football game. So you've got to play a complete game with them and not make mistakes. It's hard to do. I mean, I think of that that
3: Super Bowl with you guys with Seattle where... You know, you had that, that safety play early on with. Is this, we allowed the, to talk the about the opening s-
0: play? <laughs> yeah, is, is that right? okay?
3: Yeah, no, it yeah, yeah. <laughs> the tone. It felt like you guys were never able to recover from that in a right. way that maybe New England can. And it's, it's
5: well, in that instance, I mean, you got to look. Seattle has probably the best defense over the last decade. And when you make it a one dimensional game, when we get behind like that, what do we do? We got to throw the football. And when, when guys are teeing off on Peyton Manning and he's got to get the ball out within a couple seconds. I mean, it, it really limits your playbook. It limits what you can do, um, and, and that's what we fell into—the trap we fell into. We never got back to a point where we could run the football, be two-dimensional, uh, you know, kind of ball control in a sense. Uh, we were just out there slinging it, and they're were, they were taking Peyton's head off.
0: What have you made of, of the Rams' offense? Because. I'm intrigued, particularly by first, what, 12, 13 weeks of the season. It was almost all 11 personnel. They love those trips, those bunch receivers, which is great for you because that means you can get off the line and confuse them and get it's much easier to get open. But it felt like people figured that out later in the season and they adjusted. And that, I don't know how they're going to come out now on Sunday, and that's exciting to me.
5: It is exciting. I think both teams. I mean, LA's got the two-headed monster with CJ and Gurley. Uh, they lost cup you know their slot receiver so it changed the dynamic a little bit on the receiver side but McVeigh is is you know he didn't reinvent the wheel but he is very creative and they're going to do things uh to, to have success early because you got to start the ball game with some momentum get comfortable especially get golf comfortable this is his first Super Bowl and and New England the same way they're, they're going to try to figure out what LA is going to take away and, and they're going to try to exploit what they're not so I'm excited. I think it's going to be a pretty high-scoring game in the 30s. But, again, I think the experience New England has allows them to win.
0: On that point, you went down to Patriots practice yesterday. A lot of the guys you still know from either your time in the league or your time in in New England. What was your sense of their confidence towards this weekend, their approach, and how they were ahead of Sunday?
5: Well, they're they're strictly business. It's, It's unbelievable how an organization like that, everyone has the same mentality. Same mindset, and you know, there's. I'm ready to play some football. You know, I'm, I'm over this media stuff. But uh, they're, they're definitely. They felt like they had a great week of practice. Everybody's getting healthy. Uh, they're ready to roll. You know, I think. I think coming from last year where they didn't pull it off. That, that, been looking for some revenge
0: it sounds like that sounded like some genuine exasperation from your time in new york which was <laughs> i mean i wasn't at that super well but uh, matt was but it was crazy because everything was based off site and so all the media would turn up at once and when you've got to go through that i know you do media availability all the time but when you're preparing for the biggest game of your life and every day they're like right come and do an hour now what how disruptive is that how difficult is it to kind of stay in the flow
5: it's tough just because i mean you're not home so uh dealing with being in a hotel for us we travel from Hoboken basically to New Jersey or excuse me the Jets facility which is about 20 miles west so you know you're moving all over the place you're kind of fatigued just the anticipation for the game itself kind of wears you down and then you gotta sit down and answer you know 100 questions and at that point it's like right, I'm here to play football that's what I want to focus on let's get to the weekend
0: should that lack of experience be a concern for for Rams fans then because they haven't learn how to handle the week?
5: I think a little bit. You know, um they are the more athletic team, they have the better players. But again, it's hard to re- replace experience. And once you've gone through the week, you understand what to expect. And in LA there's only been four guys that have been to Super Bowl, so I don't think a lot of them know what to expect.
0: They've got guys like to Talib on their team who I'm guessing You know, who's who's been there, done it. So did you have guys like that in your locker room at 48? And what were their messages to you to to try and make sure you stayed settled? And
5: that was a big message leading up to the practices was, hey, listen, this is my experience. This is what to look out for. You know, try to find a routine, try to make it as normal as possible, because otherwise, you know, we're we're creatures of habit. Uh, You go through a 16-game season and, uh, you know, preseason, postseason, you have a routine of what you do to prepare for Sunday and trying to find that is so important. You
3: are one of the, sorry, you are one of the rare guys who's caught passes from both Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. I want to know you've you've worked with other quarterbacks as well who are nowhere near their stature. I want to know what is it that separates those two guys from your experiences? Were there any things that you saw? Obviously, dominant minds at the line of scrimmage and their ability to pick mismatches. But, but what did you see as a receiver?
5: Just how hungry they are. I mean, they're competitors. Uh, great leadership qualities, but no one's going to outwork them. You know, not in the gym, not in, you know, uh, the, the classroom, learning the offense or, or, or washing defenses. On the football field, the amount of, you know, pre-practice reps they get in, post-practice, it's, it's all about mastering their craft. And once you've done it so many times, you build that confidence, you build the rapport with your teammates – and they're all about you know, making sure that they get enough reps with whatever receivers run in a certain route that week or the handoff, making sure everything's efficient. So when they get into the game, it's just you're going through motions. It's not you know, you're thinking about things. You're, just, you're reading the defense and doing what you do.
3: How much of a higher level is their intellect at in terms of reading the defense, getting you guys in the right play? How different is it with those two guys than any other guys you've seen in your career?
5: Well, Peyton... We'd get to the line. That's how we ran our offense, and he would do, you know, magic, try to get the defense to to kind of tip their cap of what they were running defensively. And that's how we were so efficient because we knew what coverages they were in. We knew what kind of blitzes they were doing. So Peyton would call, you know, a play that would give us success. And for Tom, he's been in the system so long. They they go up with multiple plays, you know, and check a lot. You see a lot of the the head tapping because they're checking from one play to the other uh, because of a look that they see on the other side of the ball. So how fast they play, how efficient they are. They have, you know, five, ten plays that they run multiple times a game. And, and, that's, and that's their drive starters. They stay ahead of the chains. Uh, they do things, you know, the way football is. It's a simple game, it really is. But they do things so efficiently, and that's why they have success.
0: There will be a lot of British fans who will not agree with you it's not a simple game. <laughs> right. But <laughs> it's a great game. That's the bait,
5: Eric,
1: thing.
0: I just wanted to ask
1: you about building a relationship. We often hear it, a wide receiver has a great relationship with the, with their quarterback on the field how is that, and we see it of course with uh, with Tom Brady and he goes to Julian that's, Edelman yeah. or, or Rob Gronkowski on those really big moments, how is that relationship built, is it just through practice and repetition, sometimes is it there just naturally how, how, how is that maintained and built?
5: That's, that's an aspect of it is that the reps through practice, okay I know this guy knows how to run the route I know where he's going to be, he's going to make a play for me But otherwise, too, it's in the locker room. It's getting to know someone personally. It's building that trust, you know, that brotherly trust that, hey, when the game's on the line, when your back's against the wall, I trust this guy. I'm going to go to him, and he's going to make a play. And once you execute that and make a play in the game, what happens? He goes to him again. goes to him again. You get on a roll, and and those guys have made, you know, consistent plays throughout their careers. That's why the rapport is so good. And we
1: saw it, especially in that Kansas City game, those Constant third downs, and they go back to go back to Edelman. Do you guys say you're not part of that relationship? But if if you're on the field at that time, and it is third down, do you know that they're going to go to that person?
5: Yeah, I mean, you know what what his options are, where he's going, but you still got to stop it. You know, I'm putting Julian in motion, allowing him to work some of those one-on-one matchups in space you got Gronkowski mismatched with a linebacker or a safety. You're going to go to him. And James White on the backfield is one of the best running backs to do it. That's his check down. That's his safety blanket, really. And um, they make a lot of yards on that.
0: And, and yet they put those two guys in to, to chip on third downs consistently over the last couple of games and went to somebody else. That's why I think like the Philip Dorsett play was so great because you've got to think, if, I guess for a receiver, if you're someone like Philip Dorsett and you're only seeing two, three targets a game, you've really got to make those count. You do. And is it, is it easy to kind of fall out of your rhythm almost and actually you find yourself dropping because you've not got the warm hands, you've not had the
5: catches already? There's there's a divaness to us receivers, of course. <laughs> we want the ball right away. Put the ball in our hands. But, yeah, you, you want to, you know, either it's hitting somebody or just catching a, a short uh, route. You know, just, all right, I'm, I'm in my rhythm. I'm in the game. And, you know, that that is important. I think they do a good job of, of trying to spread it out a little bit so everyone feels... Part of the part of the game plan, you know, and, and they're all into it. How
3: fun is it as a receiver when you talked about Peyton making that magic happen? But when you're watching him motion guys and do all these things at the line of scrimmage, and you, you you just you just know what what he's trying to do. The defense knows what he's trying to do, but ultimately they can't stop him achieving it. He's going to know. What defense they're in by the time it's snapped. And as a receiver, I mean, it makes your job so much easier because you know there's a, a much better chance of you getting open as well. Yeah,
5: easier and harder because he sells it so good. He's a salesman. It's like <laughs> <laughs> you got no roll call. You're out there in, in, in practice. We used to laugh because we had a walkthrough before the walkthrough, and Peyton's out there just testing everybody. So we had hot routes. So that's basically if someone blitzes over you, you got to look for the ball, you got to run a certain route, he's going to get it out of his hands. Well, so, you know, we're out there like, oh, man, walkthrough before walkthrough. Okay. And he's like, Calling out stuff and then and we like jump. He's like, "What route did you have? What route were you gonna run?" I didn't call anything, you know. So was like, he made sure that you were on top of it. But that, that's what was the beauty of it, because yeah, in in game days, we were we were zoned in, far and away, and just dominating defense. What, what route are you gonna run? The answer yeah.
0: always go route.
5: <laughs> if you've not called something,
0: I'm just going. That's, that's what's gonna happen. Long. <laughs> Uh, Eric, it's, it's been a real pleasure. For you, obviously, getting to go into the media now, when, when you did go and spend that brief time with the Patriots, was there ever a, a deal on the table? Was there ever a plan for you to stay? Or did you just know that it wasn't for you anymore?
5: You know, um, that that offseason before, I left Tennessee. I was at home. Um, didn't get picked up in free agency. Took a few visits, but no teams really worked out for me. If, if I was going to play again, I wanted to go to the championship team. And uh, training camp came around. Um, and I couldn't turn down New England. I mean, it was one of the best premier teams over the last couple decades. But to be honest, I was mentally and emotionally checked out. I, I ran maybe three days worth of routes. I worked out on and off maybe through the months of the summer. So it's not like I was out there grinding, and getting ready. I was, I was kind of like, you know what? I want to stay home. My wife's like, get out, go work out. I mean, <laughs> you're going to get picked up. I'm like, I don't know. So I, I get there. And it's an awakening. You go to New England, you better be all in. And uh, I just wasn't. And, you know, week to week, I kept calling my wife, like, I'm ready to come home. I'm ready to come home. I just miss my family. So at that point, I knew it was over for me, and I had to look for that second career.
3: If to get the job done on Sunday, though, I assume you'll make a call and say, guys, I want a ring. Yeah. <laughs> I've made a plan. Yeah.
5: There's no doubt I'm petitioning. I'm calling Bill. And being, hey, Bill, here's my address. Send me my ring. You don't have to
0: invite me
3: to the ceremony, yeah. but I want yeah. a ring in the post. I don't yeah. have to be at the White House.
0: Yeah. I just, just,
5: just the ring.
0: Just one I could just put on my bookshelf. Yeah. Uh, Eric, I, I'm assuming you're going Patriots this weekend. Bit of a lean. Oh, so.
5: well, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm favored with New England because I'm invested in them. Um, I, I think it's, again, going to be a high-scoring, fun game. New England's going to be winning 35-31.
0: Well, that sounds fantastic to me because we've got the whole game live on TalkSport and I desperately don't want to blow out. <laughs> yeah. So, fantastic. Thank you so much, Eric. Thank really you. appreciate
6: it. I'm a Liverpool fan.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the Manchester United fan
6: just left the desk. So sorry. Uh, he... I am Peter Schmeichel fan, though. Oh, good, friend, go. good friend of Peter, so...
0: Ah, okay. Any, any Peter Schmeichel stories to he's tell us He's getting married
6: this uh, June for the second time.
0: Well, we know for the second time. <laughs> well, he didn't necessarily have to be married for Casper to be born, but Casper's in the uh, league and doing pretty well himself. Casper's
6: Leicester, right? Yeah, he's yeah. from Leicester. He's playing good, yeah.
0: Yeah, so, more mm. Anderson. Anderson. Are you still the only European in the Hall of Fame?
6: Mm. You were certainly the no, first. No, Jan Stenerud is from Norway. He's in there. There you go. I don't think any... I know we have Ted Hendricks, who's from Guatemala. No Brits,
0: though. No Brits yet, and yet the the uh, Eddie the Eagle, the he's knowledge.
6: in, isn't it? No, he's not
0: <laughs> you can really tell where your references come from there, Morton. And it, I, I don't want you to age yourself because <laughs> it's a real shame. You're looking fantastic.
6: Thank you. I'm uh, feeling good. How are you? Good.
0: How are you enjoying it? Last time we spoke was um, we were in a hotel bar in. Uh, Houston, Surprise. In uh, and, and a bar. We, uh, <laughs> us? <laughs> <laughs> we caught up with each other. We had a nice chat, and you bought me a shot of tequila. It was one of the best days of my life. Um, but you just you just found out you were going to the Hall of Fame. Yep. So you're now here in your gold jacket. Tell us a little bit about the day, the experience, everything about it. It
6: was unbelievable. I just came from a uh, Hall of Fame luncheon with 70 Hall of Famers. Just came from there. Now, there's 318 in the hall, there's 180 alive, and uh, 70 of them were at this luncheon uh, today. Incredible. What an incredible uh, trip it's been the last couple of years. And when I finally found out, I was like, it took, me, it took a while f- for it to s- sink in. I, I don't know what the European comparison would be. I guess they have a sports hall of fames over there as well. Um, but just to the fact that you get immortalized, you have a bust in Canton, Ohio that lasts 40,000 years. And I ran the numbers. Uh, about 29,000 people have, have coached it, played it, officiated it at the highest level. And out of those, you have 318. 0.006%. You have a better chance of getting hit by lightning. So that kind of hit it home for me, man.
0: And what do those percentages then come if you're a kicker or a specialty? Then though? it's,
6: you know, minuscule. You get hit by lightning twice <laughs> In the, on the same day. Yeah, on the same
3: day. <laughs> the, um I saw the busting can a, a few months ago, and, and I've got to say, as a as a guy from Europe, it's it's I feel a little bit of pride about that. It, it, it must be nice because we just mentioned that as you came on, not many guys from Europe have done it. It's uh, you kind of representing the full continent there.
6: I'm loving it. I mean, that I, and I've been I've been to Wembley. I have played Wembley twice in the international series we played the Raiders once and I I remember the other game but anyway the old Wembley Stadium that was legendary I I have a picture of me down kissing the ground you know because that for me growing up in Denmark loving soccer and watching premier games all the time on Saturdays that's what was on telly was uh, the 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 premier league and uh, you know my, my team's Liverpool my London team's QPR that was back when QPR was uh You know? Morton, you have... Gotta love Queen's Park Rangers. You have made my day. On Loftus Road. Yeah, man. Have you been? Have I been? Of course. Many times.
1: Next time you come... I follow
6: them on on Facebook and Twitter.
1: This is... This is incredible. I'm a Queen's Park Rangers fan. Next time you come
0: to London, let's go to the Loftus. Let's do it. Yes. I'm in. I'm so in. That's amazing. So Uh, it
6: is fun to represent the continent, as you're saying. Very proud of that.
0: Are Liverpool going to win the Premier League this season?
6: I hope so. It's... um, i mean they're right there they're right there you know i think we're uh, you you
0: know about not. we can score
6: goals we can score goals
0: you you know about not bottling it you've kicked an overtime field goal to take a team to a super bowl so they are a team who have traditionally bottled it do you think there is an element to that in sport where if you've got the experience of going there doing it
6: it helps versus not it really really helps and that's why you have to tip your hat this week to, uh, to Brady and, and the bunch, right? The Brady bunch because of the—this is his 10th Super Bowl? Ninth, Super, Ninth Bowl. Super Bowl
0: in 18 years. I oh, know, we lose count as well. Of the time.
6: <laughs> I mean, unbelievable. You know, I was just with Robert Kraft, the owner of the Patriots, and they've won the division. He's owned the team, I don't know, 30 years. They've won the divisions 26-24 out of those 30 years. I mean, they've been to eight straight AFC championship games. That's just unbelievable. Yep. So you have to give them the the nod as a favorite because they've been there before. And golf and company, they have not. That's new to them. And I remember my experience in the Super Bowl. The hardest thing that I had to wrap my head around was the downtime. So instead of 12 minutes for halftime, you have 30 minutes. Pre-game is much longer. They're rolling a huge stage in there for the national anthem and all the fireworks and all that. It's taken forever, so your warm ups are much earlier now. You have a big dead dead time because now you're getting cool, you're ready to play, and then you have got to wait another thirty minutes. It was like, oh my goodness, the time management was really delicate, very difficult. Um, so also, because
1: because you're a kicker, kickers come out earlier to to practice
6: yeah.
1: after after well during halftime and. But if the stage is being run out, that's got to play havoc with you.
6: There was literally no room uh, after halftime to get there. And by the time they had cleaned everything up, it was time to kick. So we really had no time to... uh, I hit a couple of... just stroked a couple of balls into the net, I mean, because I had... there was no space. It was just one of those things. You had to midstream adjust and just go with it.
3: 17 years ago, Morton, Tom Brady utilized that time before the game to have a nap before his first ever Super Bowl. Does that kind of ludicrous cool, especially before his first, illustrate why in those massive moments he is always able to deliver?
6: Yeah, that's amazing. I didn't know that because I, I was in the stall puking. I mean, I was, <laughs> I was nervous. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I wasn't taking any naps, I can tell you that. My pulse, I was trying to get under 160. You know, 160. I was just trying to get that puppy down. What
3: Describe the, the feeling for us. Mention, Will mentioned the, the championship game kick. Describe the feeling for us of walking onto the field knowing that the whole game comes down to, to your foot. What, what's that like?
6: Well, in that particular game, we're playing the Minnesota Vikings. And we're playing them up there in the Metrodome. Number one, it's really loud. So when I took the field, I noticed all my teammates were on their knees and they were holding hands and they were praying. I was like, man, these guys really don't think much <laughs> about their prospects <laughs> that about to happen here. So I'm like, come on, guys. Come on, get up. So I walk on the field, I knew, I had rehearsed this before, the night before I had rehearsed it, so I knew we were going to the Super Bowl, I just didn't tell anybody, and so when I hit hit the ball, I started running right away, I knew the kick was good, and then I really started running because of self-preservation, because about 80 guys were trying to get me, and one guy finally got me by the ankles, tripped me, and then the whole pile came. Not good to be on the bottom of a pile with big guys on top of you, man, it's... Uh, not recommended. Mohan, well, I know you're incredibly
0: popular down here on Radio Road today, but I just do want to ask you uh, before we go rain expected on Sunday, which means the roof will be closed. How much of a difference does that make in a kicker's preparation knowing it's a dome versus open air?
6: Not much in this stadium because it's so high. Even if the roof was open, it's, it does, it's only, uh, you know, it's, it wouldn't affect it because the stands are so high. The wind really won't be able to get in there much should be a nice environment. It's a, it's a heck of a venue, guys, if you haven't been. It's, a tr- it's really yeah, cool. But... Lots of natural light. Really good sight lines everywhere in the stadium. And it should be fun. It should be a fun game.
1: Are you doing anything in and around the stadium on, or on Super Bowl day?
6: I'm actually doing a, an in-stadium presentation in the second quarter with Adam Vinateri. Nice. They haven't really told me exactly what it is, but I'll be doing an in-stadium on the field in the second quarter. And a bona fide future
0: have, Hall of Famer. Well, that's it. If they told he you, he would be. Yeah. Have they not be. told you? because you broke your record this year and they were worried you'd say, I'm not doing it. Maybe,
6: Maybe that's why. Oh, now I get it. Oh, my goodness. It's going to be embarrassing.
0: Now I'm not doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I might have just ruined the
5: They're bowl.
6: giving me two, uh, two tickets to, to the Man of the Year suite, so I think I'm going. Oh. <laughs> I was
0: going to say, we've got some spare seats by us. Three pints of them, beer. I mean, I'm, I'm going. 50-yard line. Yes, in the upper bowl, but, you know, it's going to be great. Bro. Right on. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks. Appreciate it. So we're back on Radio Row. Our last interview of the week happens to be one of the best, one of the biggest, so we're delighted to say that coming on, I was going to go through all his playing career, you know, the five Pro Bowls and the time in Miami and Philadelphia and Buffalo, but now he's got himself into a high-ranking position in the league. He's the executive vice president of football operations, and he's joining us here on Radio Road. Troy Vincent, how are you doing, sir?
4: It's been a f- packed week, <laughs> coming from, coming <laughs> Give from me one of those, yeah. Orlando, the Pro Bowl. <laughs> And now here in Atlanta, getting ready for Super Bowl 53, and I can't wait for kickoffs.
0: I've made the same journeys, Troy. I'll fail you, buddy.
4: Yes.
0: (laughs) Now, when we reach this point in the week for for you guys, and there's actually, it feels like maybe the Saturday you can have a little bit of downtime before Sunday? (laughs) Downtime? Yeah, try. Downtime,
4: what is downtime? It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. It's like, look at this fandom. Mm-hmm. And then you think making sure that the two participating teams have what they need. And then all game day preparation, making sure the field, the technology was at the stadium earlier this week, making sure that from a safety standpoint, intercoms are working, bench areas the way that both clubs like them. So it's, um, it's one of those weeks where you're, you, you're fine-tuning to making sure everything, not that during the regular season is not, but everything is perfect because you got so many eyeballs watching.
0: Are you the one non-Patriots fan in this building who's delighted they're back for a ninth time in 18 years? Because you know what they're going to ask for. They ask for the same every year, and it makes your life much easier. Hey,
4: listen. They're here. You know what to expect because they've been here so much. So you kind of have their itinerary. you just pull them back up, you know, year after year. is the same thing. It may be a couple new people, um, but they're actually a pleasant they're, – they're, they're, they're a club that, that you enjoy working with because they know what they want, and they are very <laughs> specific – Specific about um, things that they need and want to get done.
0: I want people to know that I keep going to just adjust I think the level of here, here. And Troy thinks he's going, I'm going to pound out, <laughs> and that's fine. I'm good with it every single time. That's great. <laughs> uh, what, what are the biggest challenges for you of, of this week of getting the teams here, of getting this all put together?
4: It's it's t- it's a new atmosphere for the Rams, so just getting everyone accustomed to making sure their practice facilities to and from where they want to practice making sure that security uh that the hotels are or are in the not the conditions but set up the way they want it to be families are coming in so just logistically making sure all the things are tied up making sure that there's no um, no stone unturned every day there's um uh, football operations call just working on process process contingency planning talking about opening the dome okay making sure what's the time period you start talking about anthem who's going to be on the field who's not going to be on the field how are we moving guest on how are we moving guests off halftime performance making sure that hey teams leave the field performance goes, get off and getting the sideline, set up, ready to go again. So just thinking through all of those logistical things that must happen to make sure that the game is not effective.
0: It's the most spectacular part of the week is the halftime bit. It's insane yeah, how quickly it can turn, they turn everything around. Having been, I've done the last four in stadium for the first time, seeing that whole operation is, is unbelievable. Now what it's- I would
4: say, working a game or halftime with a in a dome that is AstroTurf, you remove like a logistical nightmare because of practice they need to practice on the field so when you do stage set up you're tearing up the grass and you got to repaint you got to resod because it's a dome and a synthetic turf you don't have to go up you don't have that's one thing that you can take off the table for game preparation
0: so when you have a, a week as big as this coming up how frustrating is it then that everyone wants to ask you as we're about to about officiating and reviewable calls and all that other side of things as well because anyone who's involved with the NFL everyone wants to know well what happened in that Saints Rams game how are we going to make sure that doesn't happen again no, I
4: embrace it because it's good for football and one thing that we have to do in our in our role is be great listeners we saw something that none of us uh, we want or we disliked and now we, we talk about solutions, what are possible solutions. So now this is like gathering of information. So you hear it from, what's the fan input around uh, officiating? What's the fan input around review? Same thing for the coach, same thing for the player. So we're now gathering information, and in less than two weeks, we begin the process of just analyzing, reviewing, analyzing, reviewing, and then we'll see where we land.
3: As these Super Bowls come and go, we get increasingly closer to another big landmark, which is the next CBA negotiations. How would you term, See conflicting reports and different things back and forth, how would you term the current relationship between the NFL and the players' union? And are you confident that you're in a place that when those negotiations come around that can happen without lockouts and things like that?
4: I'm confident in both leaders. I'm confident in Commissioner Goodell. I'm confident in DeMarie Smith they understand what's at stake and I I truly believe that the two will will sit down as they have been it's been work in progress but they understand what's at stake the game and everyone's affected so I have a tremendous confidence in both uh, Roger and D that they'll get something done um, before anything happens about lockout and All of that other stuff. We Uh, don't want that. No uh, one
0: wants that. Absolutely nobody wants that. Has Commissioner Goodell in any way spoken to you about that process and that relationship considering your past with the NFLPA and and your involvement with them prior to being involved with the league?
4: No, sir. And actually that's one of the things that when I came on board, you know, Commissioner has always respected my role as a player, as a union rep, my relationship, just through time he's always respected that I've never got a question about um, what I think Um, he's respected you know that that part of my life and my relationship
3: it's a it's particularly important CBA potentially for us as with our UK hat on because the feeling is that if a UK franchise is to happen it's something that would need to be collectively bargained at the moment is it's part of the league's plan to, to raise that issue in in the next round of negotiations I think I think
4: you, you have to talk about it because you, you know there's labor consequences that that could arise if not agreed upon by both parties and look think about just if what we've seen in our international series from not just the players but the fandom um, it's like a you go over there still big party you know the games uh, uh, the 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 international market has embraced American football and there's been talk about a franchise we see players international players going back and forth so um, I do believe that, that that both the union and management they understand what's at stake um, and that also pertains what's at stake internationally
3: we're, we're obviously at Super Bowl week um, immediately after this we're going to see the first not rival league but, but different league spring league the AF is, is about to start next week and then Next year, we're about to see the XFL start as well. Both have made clear, I've spoken to Oliver Look and the, the guys at the AAF, that they in no way see themselves as a rival. I think we're past those days. How does the NFL view those leagues in terms of do they see them as a positive? It keeps the football conversation going? Or...
4: Oh, I think it's extremely positive. Just it's more football, it's more opportunities. Uh, it's actually, uh, it's opportunities for individuals at every level of football to be developed, every discipline to be developed. So this is good for football when you have spring leagues, summer leagues, other professional leagues, it's good for the game.
0: Just to come back to, to the London point, Commissioner Goodell in his press conference this week discussed that he believed that London was ready that from a fan base and a facilities perspective, but not from a scheduling and fairness factor. Now obviously that's something that you know you are number involved one involved in. So What are you believe the biggest hurdles between a team being in London and not?
4: We talk about travel. We talk about how coming to and from. Do you play back to back games? Do you have you know when when a team travels over? um, Do should they get a bye week? So there's a lot of scheduling implications from a competitive standpoint. Right now, when teams play in London, for the most part, you, you you come back and you or you play internationally you there's a buy um so you have to look at all of the factors so that you're not putting a club or a team in position where competitively they're at a disadvantage of playing multiple games away or multiple games there it's um all of these things have to be taken in in context but from a facility grounds fans All of those things are in play. We've seen that year in and year out. What's being done there now, those other logistical things from how many games should and shouldn't be played there are things that still need to be worked through.
0: Alistair Kirkwood, who we had on earlier, Mark Waller, a number of people, even Commissioner Goodell. A 2022 date has been discussed on a number of occasions. We are rapidly approaching that faster than any of us would like to engage with. Is that still a, a realistic timeline? If there's going to be a team in London,
4: I can only see this first week in February <laughs> of
0: 2019. <laughs> That's the most political and brilliant answer that you can.
4: <laughs> I can't see beyond this week.
1: How how happy are the NFL uh, NFL and UK are, are delighted with the growth in the UK and the growth internationally and in Europe and we're seeing players go up, come from um, domestic leagues or giving up other professional careers to try and make it in the NFL but how happy are the NFL the head offices, you guys with what's going on internationally in the UK
4: I've, just in my time I've seen growth I've seen true partnership I've seen different, le- different connectivity levels that says that you know what? We, um, American football has a global reach, but you need, you need global partners. You need international partners to do so. When you have men, young men playing the game, young men coaching the game, um, from an international standpoint, young kids playing the game, have a true understanding of American football, it is good for the game, good for the sport.
3: I, I was just going to ask, this is a real... Showcase for the last relocation, you got the L.A. Rams in in the Super Bowl. I did see a stat, though, that the AFC Championship game apparently outdrew the NFC Championship game in the L.A. market on TV ratings. Is that a concern for the league with a new team, or is it just something that you know it's a a long process of rebuilding those fan bases in L.A.?
4: Process. And you think about that L.A. market, the number of sports franchises that are there, basketball, football, Uh, It's a process, and we're learning.
0: Can I ask you about um, the the Rise event earlier this week, the Town Hall? Yesterday. Um, uh, Yesterday. (laughs) You you do. We all know. Everyone sat here knows you lose track of time. If you told me it was Wednesday today, I might believe you. Um, There there was a, a kind of conversation that was brought up about how early the league heard players' concerns on things like... Uh, the anthem protest on things like whether they were getting their voices heard and and there was the example of of ricardo allen the atlanta falcons safety taking some taking some stick from people because now players were working with owners and with the teams and with the league as if that was a, a a negative so what have you made of that whole situation
4: where we began and where we are today we're working in conjunction when i say we There was so much learning through that process. And I think through the learning, we found out that we had more in common than we had differences. It was a matter of how do we really address the differences that meets what both are looking for. That's player and that's ownership. Where we were 36 months ago, 24 months ago, and where we are today, we're literally working in a partnership. We're making a difference around areas of social justice, a very disciplined process. Uh, Ricardo Allen is one that has been um, working in conjunction here locally with, with Arthur Blank in the foundation, in the local community, making a difference. And we're seeing that in, in all 32 cities.
0: Because uh, there's a um, an example of, say, for example, when Eric Reid turns around and calls Malcolm Jenkins a sellout for taking... Taking, not taking money from the league, but negotiating with the league and that raising those funds from the league as if that was a, a negative. In that situation, do you reach out to a player? Doesn't, I don't necessarily say that specific player, but do, would you reach out to Eric Reed or whoever in that situation and try and explain to them why this is a positive for people involved?
4: Well, I would say we take a position of to have social change, resources are needed. Public policy, public policy change is needed. And media driving awareness is needed. Everyone has their opinion about what should or shouldn't be. We believe that resources and working together, um, we've been, we've we've talked to, you know, Eric was part of um, our discussions. So it was a collective thought, a bunch of different ideas and thoughts on the table. Um, but you need resources to move, uh, move communities. And I finally do want to bring it back
0: to, I mentioned it at the top, but the officiating thing. When it comes to this year, there are two things in particular that people will want to know. Are is going to become reviewable? And is there going to be an examination of the overtime rules? Is that, are those two things Absolutely. that the competition Absolutely. committee are going to look at?
4: So proposals are beginning to come in from the clubs. Uh, a lot of talk with coaches. So two things that come to mind. Last offseason, what was it? This time, Super Bowl 52, what we were talking about, catch-no-catch. You guys got to clean up the catch-no-catch, and that was a process. You bring people in, you examine, you look at it, you talk, you come to a good place. Never talked about catch-no-catch offseason. This particular offseason, and last year we actually talked about what should be reviewed, what shouldn't be reviewed. The same process this year is... Where will we land on what should coaches review be able to challenge and what should be reviewed? But again, the feedback from the fans, extremely important. Feedback from the player, extremely important. And then you get the clubs, the club proposals.
0: I'd love to be a fly on the wall when the competition committee get together because <laughs> the timing of having Sean Payton join that committee within two years <laughs> this happening is a wonderful thing for us as, uh, as journalists. I'm not going to lie. I want to ask a follow-up to that as it pertains to the game on Sunday.
3: Last year, it felt like the catch-no-catch thing happened. And then in the game, there were a couple of catches that, based on the where the rules had been implemented over the season, might have been overturned. I'm thinking of the Corey Clement one and the Ertz touchdown. Mm -hmm. I don't know whether there was a discussion internally prior to that game and whether that was something that actually happened. But if it was, is it something where we could see a kind of quick-fire decision to re-look at obviously you can't change the rules on challenges but what has there been discussions about certain where things were called last week and will it impact the game on Sunday no,
4: so the are going into Super Bowl 52 last year rules were the rules going into the game there was no previous discussion about calling that game any differently or having a different interpretation of a call going into Super Bowl 52 uh no that did not that that discussion has not taken place and shouldn't be. Inappropriate to say that going into fifty two, these two the two clubs here, the Rams and the Patriots, are going in under the impression of things will be called the way they have been called all season.
0: I'm really delighted that we've been able to spend the time with Detroit. If
4: you want to come to the competition committee, I am happy to invite you. We have many journalists to come and sit in that is on some of those. That- we'll make sure that I'll make sure that Sig here invites you in can I be involved too since since, uh, I love you getting on video as well (laughs) since
0: since Mr. Signora, as I will refer to him was first coming out to the UK with the Giants he's been nothing but brilliant to us so while I have an opportunity to if you have any you know this man is amazing. I just want you to know that. So we love him in the UK. Great
4: man. Does an excellent job.
0: Exactly. Uh, Troy, thank you so much. And, well, hopefully I'll be seeing you at the competition committee then.
4: <laughs> I'm, t- I'm taking you up on that. Yeah. Oh, thank no, you. I, Thanks for having I, me. Am I invited only as well, we, we, only, <laughs> we, only,
0: we only get one. We only get one. Brilliant stuff. Thank you thank so you. much. That was Troy Vincent. You're also here from Morton Anderson and Eric Decker. I have had a wonderful time on Radio Row this week. You've still got NFL honors to go. Ollie and uh, Grimbler. Oh, yeah. Crumble. Ollie, how excited are you working with Crumble for uh, for a whole day, just the two of Grumble, you? Crumble, He's gonna Crumble. He's going to be having bu-
2: Bud Light <laughs> Platinums. <laughs> it worked, it worked. <laughs> He's going to have Bud Light Platinums and Ones while we're stood on the uh, red carpet tomorrow, just to chucking Ones out to uh, see if can people can sign over. off.
3: <laughs> can we sign off with the. Always look in the eyes. Absolutely, yeah. With the yeah. surge advice from the
1: big man. So, first of all, Ollie, any final thoughts? In the Morton Anderson,
0: is there the audio of Sherry showing him his... No, there absolutely isn't, but I put it on my Insta story, at WillGav, and we'll share it on Twitter as well. Great. Uh, and then finally, David Grimble, for the last time before Super Bowl
7: 53. <clears throat> <can> cough beforehand.
0: <laughs> Any final thoughts?
7: I've got two for you today. So one from our, our discussion earlier with me and Ollie Wilson. Um, people... I like Uber drivers. There's a lot of great ones. But there's the occasional one who loves sex and the occasional one um, who's a rapist. So that, that might be... That, that will probably be cut out.
1: It'll be beef. It absolutely
0: won't.
7: But this, is, um, this sums up our Uber experience this week. Most of them have been brilliant. Um, and for my second one, I'd like to quote S Club 7. Um (laughs) don't stop. And their great song Reach Reach for the Stars or Sky. Reach for the Stars.
3: Great song. You can't Um, even remember what it is.
7: You know, we're a bunch of like seven or eight normal people living (laughs) a dream. Out in radio out in Atlanta. Going to the Super Bowl Sunday. Um like listen to me, I'm not great at money things, but you you can you can get there. You can do it. So keep fighting, keep fighting that fight. Drummold out.
0: Wow. I just want to finish the show. Please don't put your headphones down where it makes all the banging and the noise. You did that during an actual interview the other day. Just to finish off with reminding you, you can get the very latest odds at redzone.bet on the Super Bowl. Head there and get that done. They will be able to yeah, get the very... What's the, what's the, what's the tagline, Joshy? Come on. Come on, Joshy. Get over here. Redzone.bet. Uh, the best odds in the NFL. If you don't believe me, Willie... Just check the prices Hey-o. we did it, We really did it, and uh, they 've also got their one million pound prediction game. You can win a million pounds if you can guess i 'm going to try and remember off the top of my head correct score Total, uh, yardage for both quarterbacks, yeah. first touchdown scorer. Total point two and total points in the game. If you can get all five of those, it's crazy tough, but you've got more chance of getting that right than winning the lottery based purely on numbers alone and you could win a million pounds. Go a redzone.bet and you could win an actual million not free bets an actual million pounds. Thank you so much for joining us all week this week. We've got so much great content to bring you post Super Bowl, so many great interviews, etc. But we'll be back on Monday morning with our breakdown of Super Bowl 53. This has been the Grimble, sorry, the Gridiron show.